All right, good morning. Welcome to Hope and Anchor Church. It's good to be here with you. It's good to be back. Uh, been gone two weeks. Uh, one of those was for work uh, with Send Network. Uh, my wife and I helped lead a, uh, a couples retreat, a marriage retreat, and uh, we've never really done that before. We've just been married a long time, but uh, we got actually asked to talk and, and do stuff, and that kind of makes it a little weird, like, oh, I don't know. Did we do things right? <laughs> you know, 28 years in. I guess you don't... Anyway... They seem to think it went well, so and they're all still married. So, um, and then last week I was in Arkansas at the. Uh, every year we go down to help out with a 100-mile uh, trail race. Uh, this is the first 100-miler I ran, and so uh, we go down now. I got roped into helping with it, so now I can't run it. The race director told me I can't run it again because I he needs me and Christy. So anyway, that's us. Anyway, so it's good to be back. And what happens I've noticed is. Uh, when I get to preach again, when I come back after being gone, it's like, I have to like fight the Jojo, the monkey boy. That's what I call it. It's like a little bit too much. Yeah, <laughs> too much excitement. It usually get double barrel, both barrels. But anyway, I'll try to keep it short, uh, keep it focused today. Uh, I was thinking this morning about, and I can't remember who said it, but uh, why do we open God's word? Why is it important that we go to scripture every time that we gather? Uh, and I, it, was, it, was, it was summarized this way. We preach to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Would you agree? I mean, that's, what, that's why. I mean, the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It comes and it brings a balm to the soul, but it also brings a bomb to the soul, right? <laughs> that's a little play on words. Bomb, bomb. Get it? That's funny. Um, but I, I preach all across the world. People are opening the word and preaching in order to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So wherever you are today, as we talk about kind of an uncomfortable passage in First uh, Peter, I pray that if you've been wrestling with this, you've been struggling and you've been beat down, may you be comforted. If you've been smug and operating on very unchristian assumptions about what it means to be a Christian, may you be afflicted today. Fair? All right, let's get busy. What I'm about to tell you may very well shock you. I hope you're ready to, to, to absorb a shock this morning. I am ready to accept that hands may fly to your mouth uh, in horror. Your head may wag in disappointment at me. Your eyes may screw shut as you recoil from the thought. But whatever your response will be, please... Brace yourself. Here it is. I do not like being told what to do. I don't. I do not like being told what to do. There, I've said it. I've said it. I hope that finds a sympathetic ear, but you need to know, as your pasture, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told what to do, even under the best circumstances, let alone at times when I don't like the person telling me what to do. Let alone at times where the task before me is something I don't want to do. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it when the person directing my actions or the task setting my objectives is un unpalatable. But even under the best circumstances, I just don't like it. I kind of bristle at being told what to do. As soon as someone opens their mouth and says something like, yeah, I'm going to need you to fill in the blank. Something in me is like, nope, not going to. Not going to. Yeah, something in me. 
Perhaps it's stubbornness. Perhaps it's an unredeemed bit of my character. But whatever it is, if you, if you tell me to go left, guess what? I want to go right. Uh, to look, if you tell me to look up, I might just look down just to be sassy. <laughs> tell me to go and I might stop. Why? Just because. Does anybody else feel this? You've noticed this about yourself? You're just kind of like... No, yeah, yeah, Roger, me and Roger, anyway. Yeah, it's like, what, what, why am I so, so rebellious? Why do I have such a stiff neck and a hard heart sometimes just because? You know, they say choose your battles wisely. They say you don't have to die on every hill, but guess what? There's times where I pick some pretty dumb battles, and I have bled out on some pretty silly hills before just because I'm stubborn. Simply because I'm contrary by nature, just because I don't like being told what to do. And I know that's more than me and Roger, right? Something is, there's a bent in us that makes us want to just do our own thing and not be told what to do. Even when, I, what? What, Roger? Okay. All right. Okay, you were shushed. Sorry. Whoever shushed Roger, <laughs> peace be upon you. <laughs> All right. Um, I find that even when I'm being helped, even when someone is trying to give me wise counsel, I have to really keep my rebellious spirit in check. Uh, it's even worse when you've been a Christian for a long time and some other Christian is trying to help you. It's worse of all when you're a pastor and someone wants to bring correction or give input about spiritual matters or character issues. Boy, it's really hard to be teachable in those moments, isn't it? Because you kind of arrived. You're a professional. You slave over a hot Bible every week. How dare someone tell you? Right? So I have to really check my rebellious spirit. I have to under overcome, I have to overcome my tendency toward non-compliance. The non-compliant switch is, is by default switched on in me. And I need to, the Holy Spirit to switch it off sometimes. Why am I this way? As I'm describing this tendency in me, do you see that tendency in you as well? Would anyone be so brave as to raise their hand and say, yeah, I, I kind of have that rebellious spirit as well. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad I'm, not, I'm glad I'm in the right room. We as human beings are, by nature, an incorrigible bunch. We can be a pretty incorrigible bunch. The impulse to defy the impulse to resist direction, it runs deep in many of us here. And the call to follow Jesus then, the call to submit to His authority, is hard. Have you noticed this? I mean, our call is to die to ourselves, to become a slave to God through faith, and to submit to Jesus and His authority. And that runs right up against our sin nature, doesn't it? Not just that tendency in us, but that's just like gasoline poured on it by our sin nature. So to submit in all things to Christ, to submit to His authority, that, guys, can be pretty hard. But do you know what's even harder than that? Being told to submit to earthly authorities for the Lord's sake. So it's one thing to be told to submit to Jesus, but then to be told to submit to earthly authorities for Jesus' sake. Cripes. There's parts of the Bible I just wish weren't there. I mean, Peter, why would you say this to us? <laughs> why would you reflect Jesus' teachings? <laughs> ah, this is uncomfortable. You know, it's like C.S. Lewis said, if you're looking for a religion that will make you very comfortable, I cannot recommend Christianity. 
Why? Because of this kind of nonsense, right? Telling us to submit to earthly authorities for the Lord's sake. That's a daily confrontation in me, and it's probably a daily confrontation in you in more ways than you even consciously realize. Submit to earthly authorities for the Lord's sake. How could God tell us to respect a leader I don't like? How could God tell me to obey a leader that I didn't vote for? Right? I mean, how could this possibly mean that I should obey and respect a Democrat? I should respect and obey a Republican. Someone on the far other side of that political spectrum, that we, this particular political spectrum we have in the United States. How, should I, how could I be told to obey and respect them? This person who is opposed to my deeply held religious beliefs. How, how on earth could a good God tell me to respect and obey that person? Why doesn't he tell me to respect and obey people I find respectable and that I feel comfortable obeying? If he was a good God that cared, really cared about my feelings, this is what he'd tell me to do. Find that set of leaders that you're comfortable obeying and those that you find respectable and then follow them, obey them. No, respect without qualification, earthly authorities. This is a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching. Even worse, at a more local level, why would the sovereign creator of the universe, who loves me dearly, why would he tell me to honor a boss who is a jerk? Why would the God, creator God of the universe, tell me to respect a manager who is very dumb? Does anyone find themselves in a situation like this? Like, that guy? Come on. Really? This is beneath me. This is, a, this is offensive to me that I would have to respect and obey my boss or my manager. Well, as, as the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, we do it because we are called. We've been called to live well and to do good. Why? Because Jesus Christ is our example and we are following in His steps. The answer to all these questions that arise from Peter is this. We do it because Jesus Christ is our example and we are following in his steps. So today, look, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We are going to read verses 13 through 25. We're going to cover some ground here, but it will make sense as we work through it, I think. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 25. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has set them, sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Verse 18. You who are slaves must accept the authority of your master with all respect. Do what they tell you to, or do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God, for God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. 
But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in His steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like wandering, you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So as we continue in the second chapter of Peter's first letter, we find him turning his attention. He's shifting his attention, turning his attention to our Christian calling. And part of that Christian calling is to respect leaders and to submit to authority. He was speaking to Christians. He was speaking to our fellow Christian brothers and sisters in a hostile Roman world. He was speaking to slaves. He was speaking to slaves, making eye contact with people who lived as slaves to cruel, cruel masters. And he instructs all of them the same. He says, follow Jesus Christ's example. Regardless of your station, regardless of your situation, follow Jesus Christ's example. To the very believers who were being harassed, Understand, who's in the room with Peter? Who's in the room hearing Peter's letter written, uh, read to them? The very believers who are being harassed by, by Nero's administration, uh, imprisoned, thrown to lions, dipped in tar, and burned as party lights for uh, Nero's parties. Dipped in tar, bound to stakes, and burned as torches, Peter can confidently tells them, For the Lord's sake, respect all human authorities, whether it is the king, his appointed officials, or even the master in the house where you serve, respect the authorities that are placed over you. I mean, can we be honest enough to say that'd be difficult? That would be hard. I mean, whatever it is, you may be mad that Joe Biden's president right now, but that's like level one. And these guys are like level 11. I mean, this, these, what they're having to swallow here, being revealed to them as the truth of God's word, is that's like goes to 11. It's like, man, my loved one, my family member was torn apart by wild dogs for sport. And you're telling me to respect them? Honor them? Obey them? They took my house. They took everything I owned. Respect? I mean, our first world problems, sure, they're tough. But think about all the brothers and sisters in Christ who have had to hear this truth and assimilate it into their life and their situation during their lifetime, their time. And it far... Oh, yes, I guess I'll pick up my notes. But, I mean, it kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? To all of us, Peter says, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authorities. This is a hard teaching. It was a hard teaching in Peter's day, and it's a hard teaching in our day as well. Corrupt, self-seeking authorities abound. Cruel, incompetent employers 
They abound. They always have. They always will. So why are we, recall, why are we called then to respect and obey them? For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. According to the Asbury Bible Commentary, um, as agents of good in the world, Christians should be subordinate to the worldly structures of authority. They are subordinate out of supreme respect for the Lord, who stands above all authority and whose interests all authority is meant to serve. In addition, through their submission, they will be doing what is good as well as silencing the slanderous and ignorant charges of people against them. Such submission, Peter asserts, is the will of God for his readers. So this teaching, maybe begrudgingly, it takes our attention off of our rude and disrespectful boss and places it onto the infinitely respectable Lord Jesus Christ. This is at the heart of what Peter wants to happen in each of us, that we would get our attention, our, our, our fixation off of that unworthy person who is an authority over us and help us fix our gaze and our attention on the one who is infinitely worthy of that respect and obedience. Because of our respect and obedience to Christ, we will respect and obey the authorities placed over us. So maybe it's helpful that, perhaps this is helpful. Let's go back to our passage, and maybe it's helpful to read today's passage uh, with the, end, the, the last section first. Start at the end uh, and read verses 21 through 25 first, and then circle back and read verses 13 and 20. Maybe this frames the conversation a little bit better. Let's start in verse uh, 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in His steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that, when he, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Okay, now let's jump back up to 13. For the Lord's sake, then, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Is that helpful? I like how that last section really kind of sets up that first section. How we live... And to whom we submit has more to do with love for Jesus than it does uh, with our feelings toward those lesser authorities. Does that make sense? How we live our lives and to whom we submit has more to do with our love for Jesus Christ than it does our feelings toward those lesser authorities in our lives. And for me, that has handles on it. Okay, I can get that. I can understand, I can turn my heart, turn my attention to just Jesus and His worthiness, especially, maybe specifically in those moments when I feel devalued, when I feel disrespected, when I feel belittled because of the circumstances I'm in and the person I have to respect and obey. Maybe that's helpful for you too. As long as it is moral 
as long as it is reasonable, we are to do it as unto the Lord. Okay, maybe that's the best portable sentence here today. As long as it is moral and long as it is reasonable, we are to do it as unto the Lord. Respect and obey. Do it as unto the Lord. Can you do it? Uh, is it is it not an immoral thing? Can you do it with a clear conscience? Is it's a reasonable thing to do? Then do it as unto the Lord. By doing so, we bear faithful witness, and as Peter points out, we silence ignorant accusations. Will ignorant accusations come against those who follow after Jesus? Survey says yes. Yes. Lots of foolish things will be said. But the best way to combat those and to prove them false is to live faithfully under the Lordship of Jesus. I once said, one time in ministry, I don't remember what was happening, but I was so mad and I wanted to just shoot my mouth off and I wanted to take no prisoners. I mean, basically. And a mentor of mine said, hey, the truth will be your best defense. Trust in the truth. The truth will out and it will be your best defense. And I had to rest in that because I was going to go and make things a lot worse. I was going to go slap the hornet's nest because it needed slapping and it was not going to help, right? So he's like, hey, choose your battles. <laughs> okay. Let the truth be your best defense. I'm like, okay, I can do that. So we silence foolish accusations. Because God establishes and ordains the temporal authorities, we are to obey, not because they're always good and right, but because God is always good and right. Does that make sense? doesn't mean that the people you're obeying and respecting are doing the right thing or always making the wise decision. That's not the point. God is wise, and God is worthy, so we obey. And here's the thing. It is possible to obey a leader without following their example. Okay, it's possible to obey a leader without following their example, as Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 23. Here Jesus tells the crowd around him, he said, hey, obey the Pharisees. Obey the Pharisees, because they teach the law of Moses. But do not follow their example. Jesus is in this same scenario. He senses this. He knows this is a reality for these people sitting under the, the heavy, tedious burden of the Pharisees. He's like, hey, respect them. They are teaching you the law of Moses, but do not follow their example. Turn to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4. We can read that real quickly. Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. What could this mean? It means we have to be wise enough. We have to maintain a proper perspective that says, Hey, I will respect this position, but I don't have to necessarily... Um, respect the person in that position, um, but I will do so, I will do this out of fear, reverent fear for the Lord. Uh, in the military, when I was in the Air Force, uh, they said a lot of things that really rubbed me the wrong way, but that's military, I think. Uh, but one time, I was just really chafing, because I had some very power-hungry, very career-oriented officers over me 
that made decisions. They jockeyed for advancement at our expense. We were just treated like dirt and as expendable a lot of times. And it was really hard to respect an officer that you know didn't care at all about you. They would send you out to, to absorb bullets, to die. They wouldn't care as long as they got a promotion. And that's tough, man. And uh, one of my um, senior NCOs sat me down one time and said, Hey, in the military, you have to respect the uniform and not the man. You know, because you still have to go out and you still have to salute. You still have to salute the guy that you really didn't like. I mean, I had a major that was a pretty evil dude. I didn't like him at all. Uh, you're right, right. So you heard this, you've heard this. Anyone who served in the military, you probably heard the same thing. You are saluting the uniform, not the man. And sometimes you have to have that separation in mind. It's like, hey, this person's in authority. It's not whether they are worthy or not. I'm saluting the uniform. You know, and for us, we're saluting Christ when we see this person in front of us. So does that make sense? Is that helpful at all? You heard that, Austin? <laughs> Salute the uniform, not the man. So are there times, before we finish up here, let's answer these questions which may just be burning in you like crazy. Are there times when Christians should refuse to obey? Are there times where Christians should refuse to, to obey orders, to respect orders given to them? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. Uh, examples from history. Yes, Christian Germans should not have obeyed Hitler's directives against the Jews, against the Roma, against, the, uh, against gay people. They, they should not have followed those directives to... Uh, be complicit in the murder of people. There's no good way to go about that. Should they have suffered then for disobedience? Yes, and some did. Many did, actually. Yes, Roman Christian soldiers. Christians who were Roman citizens, they should have always refused to throw people to the lions. They should have always refused commands to do that which was immoral. That was degrading to human uh, dignity. Even if it meant punishment for themselves, and oftentimes it did mean punishment for themselves. If you didn't renounce your faith in this Jesus character, Jesus the Nazarene, you will get what they're getting as well. If you don't tell us who has been doing this, who's been uh, saying Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then you too will be thrown to the wild dogs. Disobedience had consequences. And as the Asbury Bible Commentary further explains, the call to submit is a strategy for implementing good conduct in the world, but it is not an absolute call. If instances arise, as they did for Peter's readers, we're doing good, where doing good conflicts with submission, the former takes precedence over the latter. So if you're being called to do something that is evil, that is actually undermining the good, that goes against the expressed will of God, then yours is to cling to, God, to obedience to God against the commands you've been given that are against God. So, this is a hard passage to teach. I told you it was going to be. This is a difficult passage to teach because there's a lot here. It's challenging. It's challenging. It pushes up against some emotional, sensitive places in each of us because we've all experienced pretty fraught situations.
very uh, angering situations. You've been in situations where this was really, really hard. We who are Christ followers, we are slaves. We are slaves to the one who has called us. And as such, we honor our Lord through faithful submission, through faithful obedience to the authorities, because He, our true Master, has told us to do so. He's told us to do so. As the New Bible Commentary states, surprisingly, Christian freedom is the liberty to live as servants of God, fulfilling His will. Surprisingly, Christian freedom is the liberty to live as servants of God, fulfilling His will. And His will is this. God's will for us is to submit to earthly authorities as far as we can, as far as we are able, in accordance with truth and integrity, and as long as we can faithfully maintain a clear conscience before God, our Maker. Knowing that we will give an account... May we all arrive in that place, in that time, in that moment with a clear conscience that said, my heart was set on obedience. I tried through the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit to live as faithfully as I could to your commands. And when we must disobey, when we must no longer submit to human authorities, know that you may be punished. You might suffer. There will be consequences for disobedience. There always has been and there always will. If you reach the point, when you reach the point that you can no longer obey, you must no longer submit to human authorities, know that you may be punished just as Jesus was punished, just as his followers uh, in the first century were punished. Can, can we think of it as still submission, but no obedience? Yeah, submitting to Christ. But submitting to their... Punishment. The punishment, right? Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. So you're you're not, yeah. That's a good point. But I, I don't have any more space on my paper for that, Grady. <laughs> Come on. But you may be punished. But know this: God is honored, and God is pleased with you when you suffer for doing right, when you patiently endure the consequences of your pursuit of obedience and your pursuit of respecting that ultimate authority. So whatever the outcome, whether it's compliance or non-compliance, whether it's uh, advancement or punishment, we know that we are pleasing God when we suffer for doing what is right. When you, when you do, know this, you are following the example of Jesus who suffered for you at the hands of wicked rulers. It's interesting to read through the, the story of the early church fathers and the uh, churches that spread across uh, the modern world and faced opposition and people being uh, burned at the stake and killed. Oftentimes they found great, strangely, found joy. It's like, ah, oh, I have been found worthy. I've been found worthy of suffering like Christ. I've been, I've been found worthy of taking up the mantle of suffering in following Jesus. What an honor. What a gift. As they're being led to their death, as the fire is being lit under their feet. Wow. When you suffer, you are following the example of Christ who suffered for you at the hands of wicked rulers. And in doing so, Jesus bore witness to God's infinite glory. Jesus was raised up, and Jesus was vindicated in His resurrection. And for all those who follow faithfully in Jesus' steps, the same will happen for you too. When you suffer well for God's glory, you will glorify God. You will be raised up, and you will be vindicated in your resurrection.
when you're raised finally and fully into new life through faith in Jesus Christ, God always gets the last word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, provoking part of Peter's letter. Uh, we need to hear that. And it's a wild time in the United States, God. And uh, people are really polarized. People are really uh, entrenched in their tribalism. Really convinced that you're on one side and not the other, and that everybody on the other side is evil and wicked and not do any respect or um, d dignity. Oh, God, but it's like Abraham Lincoln said, you know, the, the, the issue isn't whether or not you're on our side or the other, other side. The question really is, are we on your side? Are we on your team, God? God, today, whatever we heard today, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's working into our soul right now, I pray that we would handle it rightly, that it would be pliable, that it would be humble enough to say, God, you've got some work to do in my heart, my, my, my incorrigible heart, that you would uh, give me a desire to honor Christ above all, in all circumstances. <laughs> that that would be the primary lens, the decision-making filter I have on my mind and on my heart. How can I honor Christ most in this? Politics aside, cultural battlefronts aside, preferences aside, how do I honor Jesus Christ the most? How do I follow most faithfully in His steps, wherever that might lead me? God, work this truth into our hearts, we pray. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand the truth of your word today. May your Holy Spirit come and do a work, a transforming work in each and every one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name. We're going to sit with this for a few moments. Enter into a time of prayer. Maybe there's some interaction, some uh, conversation you need to have with Jesus. You need to talk to God right now, and His Holy Spirit is here. Were you comforted today? Were you afflicted today by the truth of God's Word? Well, it was, for, it was not for nothing. God desires to grow you, to heal you, to change you into the likeness of Jesus more and more. So I pray that that would happen today. So take a minute or two, and then we're going to share communion. So I'll give you some further instructions here in a moment. But make the most of this opportunity.